Today's episode of A Fool's Idea, the audio podcast, is sponsored in part by ornery, deformed, bulbous jerks in red spandex, who are raising money to go overseas and perform in fringe festivals. I have finished the first two new episodes of the documentary series, and I must say, things are shaping up to be spectacular. You are not going to want to miss even a second of these new videos. If you haven't done it yet, you need to go over and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You will not be disappointed. Also, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please share them on Facebook and rate them on iTunes. Write a review about how much you like them. Tell someone that reviews podcasts about us. Please help us get the word out as much as possible. Thanks. Welcome to the Fool's Idea Audio Podcast. The show where you get to hear me awkwardly fumble my way through interviews with some of the most interesting artists, performers, physical comedians, teachers, and clowns from around the world. On the podcast today, we sat down with the one and only Mr. Eric Davis, the tall, curious fella inside the control center of everyone's favorite red bastard. We talk about Cirque du Soleil, shamanistic clowning, pushing boundaries, Hollywood show business, battling with Tony Clifton, the future of the Red Bastard, and much, much more. Also, after the podcast, make sure you check out Eric's current fundraising campaign on Indiegogo. He's trying to raise up some cash in order to bring the Red Bastard to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. A link will be posted in the description of this podcast. So grab your red tights and stuffing balloons, because you only have 10 seconds to wow the people. Cloud is Hello, world. <laughs> We're here with the uh, the bastard himself, the oftentimes red bastard, Eric Davis, a.k.a. the guy. <laughs> the guy. That's me. The guy. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're here in uh, this uh, community of the hills of Hollywood, I think. I don't yep. even know where we're at. We're somewhere with lots know, of hills. Yeah. There's a lot of we're in and, the Hollywood Hills. And and the GPS said Hollywood. That's right. So uh that's where we're at. And we're gonna uh, talk to him and uh let's for those of you that don't know him, I've already interviewed him a few times. I think we're going on my f- third or fourth interview with him at this point. I just keep coming back to him. He's he's, he's you know he's 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 pretty. Um, <laughs> I haven't gotten to his pants yet, but <laughs> Brian, <laughs> Brian, I don't know. I keep interviewing you for like, for all these projects over the years. Like I, there's this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like somehow I keep coming back. I started with you with like fine art world with, uh, with art or something like it. Yeah. And then I uh, had you talk, you know, take us through your whole process of turning into the bastard on yeah. camera, yeah. which was pretty great. And then, and then, you know, I did all, a couple other interviews with you, and I shot your shows over the years. So, uh, so we're now like, and we started off in New York, and now we're in L.A. So, uh, you know, tell the world why you ended up out in uh, in L.A. Uh, I, w- I moved out here to to do a a, a doomed failed <laughs> Cirque du Soleil show called Iris, uh, which was actually supposed to be one of their more beautiful shows. Uh, they uh, had this this contract to to do this circus uh, about about the world of cinema at the uh, world famous Kodak Theater which is where they do the the Oscars at and they were like we're going to do the show for 10 years which was not uh maybe great because <laughs> the, all the local audience was like oh great so then we don't have to see it right away <laughs> and it closed in two two years but uh it was it was a good show so but I love LA I think LA is like awesome so so, uh, how do you find it different than New York? What's the vibe like? Uh, I got I'm relaxed. I'm much more relaxed. I'm not <laughs> like you know like like New, like New York is just like bam 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 all the time, and uh, I don't know like it's just it's warm here. I just go outside. It's like always kind of all perfect weather. I got tons of more space. You spend as much as you, as you spend in New York, but you get like three times the space. You can go to the ocean. You can go to the mountains. You can go skiing. You can do. You know, I, I never do any of those things, but I could do them. Yeah, could yeah, go there. yeah. I, I want to see the bastard on the ski slopes. Yeah, I think that, that, that would be pretty great, pretty yeah. fantastic to see him zooming down. Yeah, in the snow. That's the next. That's the next uh, thing. 
You yeah. some, 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 so soft today. <laughs> I'm wiped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, for those that don't know, like he, he needs to sleep more often. Yeah. Um, he doesn't get enough sleep, and uh, I don't know. May, maybe we can wake him up a little bit. Um, you know, if I rub his shoulder, maybe. Oh, that's maybe. nice. I like that. I like that, Brian. <laughs> Uh, no, no problem. That's real nice. Keep doing that. You gotta give you some money later. Stop it, Brian. Stop it. <laughs> oh. So any anyway, so I interviewed you for the first season of A Fool's Idea. Uh huh. As you were, I believe, packing up one of your apartments in Harlem, like there's all kinds of stuff in boxes, and there were people banging on walls next door. Huh. It was, it was uh, oh yeah, f- fun excitement, and oh, yeah. And uh, and now we're out here, and you've changed. You've grown. You're not the same person that maybe you were in 2009. I think that was. <laughs> um, so, how has your concept of uh, what clown is changed from of that many years ago? Oh. Way back in in the early days of of clowndom. Um. Uh, I don't know. I. I don't think about it quite as much as I used to. I'm kind of thinking about more just like what things that I want to do. Although I did find a very, a very interesting book called uh, The Death and Resurrection Show. Uh, my friend uh, John Gilkey uh, introduced it to me. And I thought it was like one of the best books that I've read about what like uh, that I want to do. And talking about kind of like roots of clown and that sort of performative history. Uh uh, have you ever have you ever come across this? No, but it's, I, I want to read it now. It's, I think it's. Uh, well, I might even be over here. What's the? Uh, who's the author? Like Rogan, R O G A N, I think. I recently just read uh, Harpo Marx's autobiography, which is I found incredibly inspiring. Oh, I bet. Uh, Rogan Taylor. It's called the Death and, and Resurrection Show. Okay. And uh, he's sort of you know what he's doing in the book. He's just kind of talking about. Um, he's saying that all of modern day entertainment comes from the early shamanic, shamanic, uh, nomadic shamans show or ritual. Uh-huh. So they were doing their tents and, uh, he talks about, you know, being like the time when there's a belief that there's like the middle world and the upper world and the, and the underworld. And, um, it's a, it's a beautiful book and it, it, it draws in a lot of the sort of, uh, uh, aspects of the underworld, like the, the clown's relation to the underworld and sort of violent clowning and those sort of things. And um, There's a it's connection, and it's and it's and it's and it's it's opportunity to to transform people. So you know, it's like I, t- I take in like uh, these different classes or, or things from different people. Like so, some of them would be like I took from Sue Morrison. So that's sort of, it's, it's sort of like spiritual, like clown through mask, like you know related. Like there's this sort of a spiritual god things in these masks and stuff. Like okay, that's that over there, you know. And then sometimes I've taken like. Uh, you know, you know, comedy sports, very just like popular, popular theater or like, or like comedia stuff. And, uh, you know, some like, you know, European clowning stuff. And this one was the first one I felt like it like tied all of those things together and put it into like a big perspective. This book? Yeah, I, I love it. I love the book. So what's the, what's the title of it again? It's called The Death and, the Death and Resurrection Show. And that's, uh, is, is the author still around or is he? I think he's still around. The book is out of print. Um, but so I think the John don't... Townsend out of print clowns book. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think he's even really has that much to do with clown stuff really either. I mean, he's, he's, only, he's written like a couple books. I can't, I can't remember what the other one was not, was not about, you know, anything to do with, with entertainment or whatever. So, uh, I'll check it out. I, I, I've actually been inspired recently. I want to do a, uh, I found an article online about, um, uh, this particular, uh, native American, uh, tribe. And it was written by the woman, this woman who was her grandfather and great grandfather and great grandfather before that were these clown characters in their tribes, like mm-hmm. early shamanic clown characters. Yeah. And I think it'd be great to do a story on somebody that was really connected to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the spiritual aspect of, you know, where that there's no commercial entertainment related to that at all. It's totally like a spiritual thing and these were like the and like a like a spiritual thing and also like like a socially accepted like position in that society uh-huh. yeah whatever it's like this this thing is like legit 
you know, and there are, you know, these, there are certain constructs around that and we expect that that's okay. And then we know how to respond to that. We may not like that or it probably causes chaos or whatever, but I think that's really interesting that that, you know, it's that. And this book sort of talks about, what's really cool is that this box, this book talks about like the sort of beginning place where that's like very like, uh, important, very spiritual of all these things. And then like, you know, it kind of takes us through history and like the, the church is sort of trying to get rid of anything that has to do with the underworld and they own all the rights of that stuff. But then how, how like those, all those elements of the, of that, of that, uh, shaman's ritual, it just was like a seed and it went dormant. And then like how it's still there and you see all the, uh, you know, he sort of goes, he's looking for the references to all of those things that are still there that like it lives, but it's like in a more subtle way now, you know, it's not as overt as it was. Um, so on a little bit of a different note, yeah. Have you ever had to deal with stage fright? Have you ever been scared shitless on stage? And have you have you compensated for that? Well, I'm always a little nervous. I'm always nervous before I go on. Most of the time. Actually, I'm becoming less and less now. Now I'm becoming less nervous. I used to be quite tense before I go on, even if I give a good performance, you know. Um, but, like, of intense stage fright, uh, I mean, sometimes... Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I had that like I had some stage fright, even even at Cirque recently, where there was like you go out there and and like the you know the, there's a lift that's supposed to bring things up, and every once in a while this lift, you know, it's supposed to bring up this giant piece of of set doesn't work, and they're like get out there still, so you know, <laughs> so, you know sometimes we would have this piece of this uh, this piece that we do, and we're like, but we hadn't rehearsed it or done it. It was like it was like okay to begin with, but it was also like a chore- choreographed piece. So then it was like it was like oh this is really <laughs> we're just like oh shit we got to go out. And sometimes it was like great, and sometimes it was like oh that was awful. But that moment of being like okay, I guess I got to go out there. I'm not sure you know what I'm doing yet. Uh, so, especially when you got in circuit and you're just doing the same thing over and over again, like you're, that you're not hon- you're not honing those chops of being of, you're not even allowed to improvise. They like sometimes they tell me like the artistic director there would be like you're not allowed to say anything or do anything without asking me first on stage. Right. I was like what like that's not my fucking that, that, that's not that a definition a of me bit... as a clown. That's a she was a a bad there was a bad thing to say to a clown as a, as a director. It's like that seems to be slightly. Um... I don't think that's the same in in other all Cirque shows because I've heard like many different stories from many different Cirque folks, and uh, you know I think it largely varies. Very bad, from art, show very to bad show. artistic director, a very bad artistic director. That one it was replaced by a different person, completely right. different story. Then it was like completely like, oh yeah, well let's try that, you know, just like someone who was like, you know, but it's like somebody that was a bit more open to what a clown is. Yeah, it was interesting, but it was you know those those moments like like at Cirque were interesting because like like those are some of the things that like I probably got most out of out of circus. Like, okay, when do you learn to stand up for yourself about something, and when do you learn to ask for help for something? You know, and to tell to know when to tell the difference. Like, when does somebody not know how to help you? When's somebody gonna like uh, make what you're doing more difficult because they don't know? You know, or also like sometimes something. Well, this person in particular was like, was that? But there was, you know, another person, another artistic director that came in too. It's like, I was like, okay, like I could talk to this person and, uh, like, or maybe they might even suggest an idea, say like, ah, you know, I want want to change this thing. I'd be like, you know, one of my reactionary things. I'd be like, what the hell? Because if I don't think that 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 idea works or whatever, I'd be like, you know, my, my I could be like to get all pissed off and think, you don't know what you're, you know, but I'd be like, well, what's the problem that you see that you're trying to solve with that thing? And they're like, well, I, I see this thing. And I was like, oh, oh, I, and usually I'd be like, oh yeah, that does seem like a, like that could work better. Let me come up with something that's more organic to me. It's like, how's this? That's great. You know, so I didn't have to just, you know, get pissed off right. with some idea that I didn't, that I was being made I mean, to do something. the directors have to trust <laughs> the performers to some degree. I mean, and vice versa, you know, I mean, the, why, why cast you? Yeah, if they don't believe in what your your ability. Well, that's the thing. When an artistic director comes in, they didn't cast you. Mm. They're just coming in. That's true. They're they're coming in to try to keep things the same. But then I realized that like you know like kind of the clown's job is to be fresh, you know, uh, and that we're not used to. Well, well, maybe depends on the on the on the clown, I guess. Like, 
uh, being so much the same. Me, I don't like to be so much the same. I have a lot of stuff that's the same, but I like to have the ability to to leave when I feel like I I need to be fresh. You know well, how how is Cirque for you in the uh, as far as working with such a large cast? Like generally, I think for years you've been a solo performer. Yeah. And uh, well, how 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 did you cope with dealing with all these other people around you? It was kind of great. It was kind of great to have all those people around me. Um, and especially, like, as I got towards the end, I realized, like, oh, like, I hadn't even been taking advantage of it that much. I mean, because at the beginning, it was sort of, like, weird. It was, like, I think that... Uh, <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, as I was beginning it, I was sort of, like, oh, how do I... What am I allowed to do here at Cirque? How do I, how do I work in this machine and in, in, in this show and that was difficulty and I think I had some sh- sort of shame and at the beginning that I was like oh like that I hadn't figured out how to make things work exactly yeah in the end I think that as I understand I think the performance was, was quite strong and it was it was a strong you know role in the, in, the, in the show I think one of the more memorable and, and clear roles in the show but um, I think that um, even like going into like working around all those people at first I, was, I felt a little isolated this is more like personal stuff than like really work stuff but I was kind of like oh no you know because I, I you know I, I just was that way and then towards the end I was like oh shit like there's all these beautiful awesome people really talented people like world-class talented people around me and I wish that even though I was only there for like a couple of years I wish I had gotten through that hump faster because I was like oh there's such a great resource of people and playing and so even when you talk about that panic you know like sometimes i think some people are 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 uh are more just sort of naturally open and playful and i think for a while that side of me was really subdued and i was trying to figure out like how do i make something in this role because it seemed like the stakes it seemed like the stakes were so high you know and sometimes you weren't sure if you had support or not you weren't sure if you might just be like cut or something or you didn't you didn't necessarily you didn't you weren't being shown of giving support by people by giving an outside eye or a director well this isn't or, your first surf experience right you, you, you no but it was my first creation okay. so that and that's quite different i think uh, to go in and do like the, before i went in i i just kind of covered david shiner's cinema act in kidam and so that also was its own like whole different experience of like the first time being in the circus and like mm-hmm. what is that like I was about ready to shit my pants like, the first <laughs> night I went on, you know, and I, I figured stuff out, you know, and it, and it was good. And I, you know, I, I did the same in this, but and that was in Japan or that was in uh, uh, Korea, Korea and Shanghai and Shanghai. Such a you just you are all the same. They're all the same to you, yeah. No, no. <laughs> I've, been, I've been to Shanghai. I've never been to Korea. <laughs> no. I'm just kind of playing around. How 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 was the audience over there different than the audience over here? How did they react? Did they laugh at things uh, the same? I mean, the thing, the thing that I remember was that like uh, that Korea uh, was, as I was told, Japan is like they wanted to do things very properly. They wanted to, to do things very well, and that uh, in in China they they were, just, they were just fired. They did whatever the hell they wanted to. I would have to like run off stage and people would like kind of just run off stage in the middle of nothing and I'd have to run after them, bring them back or it was just kind of like they didn't, you know, they weren't as suggestible, you know, as the people in Korea. They want to do everything perfectly well. And there's also the, this, the idea of like having to be more delicate, like to not, well, I guess there's a thing both ways because Shiner's material is, is sort of, you know, it's, it's raucous as well. And so there is this thing about saving face, especially in those cultures. Like, so I was training with Rene Bazinet uh, beforehand, and we worked for like you know a week and a half on the, this, going through this act because Shiner was out of town. He's and like, this is the Kidam. This show. is for the yeah the yeah. Kidam, and uh, and one day like a couple like uh, two days before I was supposed to ship out, I say something like yeah I just wonder what the what, what the Koreans will will think about this, and he was like, oh shit. Oh, you know, fuck, shit. He just starts just all these ex- expletives. And he's like, Korea. Oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, shit. <laughs> Korea. I forgot it was Korea. Oh, shit. Because he was like, he's like, it was a whole different ball game then. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to act in Korea. I don't know how they're going to respond to this. There's a whole different, like, sense of rules and obligations and social constructs. I don't know. I don't know. Shit. 
And so it scared the shit out of me before I go there. And it was like, it's like, you know, like the women, there's the different things. It's like, the, you know, it's very, the saving face. And so I go there. I'm just like, my first night, I'm like, oh my God. And I go there and I, you know, especially it's like a date with this car. You're going on a, on a date with somebody with a car, one of those acts. And so I, I go out there, I find the lady, I've got a rose. I, you know, I, I go out there to, uh, everybody's like smiling and happy and good, having a good time. She's so happy. There's a spotlight on her. She's like, oh, the clown came to me. And uh, then I I, I, I I take her hand and I look at her as if without saying anything, I just like, you know, like as if here we go, we're going to go. And the smile froze and then the smile was there and then her eyes got really scared looking <laughs> and then the smile disappeared and she looked terrified and, and the tears her eyes welled up and the tears started to roll down her eyes i thought oh my fucking god oh shit here we go and uh i was like i just like all right i think this lady can do it so i was like i just looked at her very compassionately i used my my, my best sort of like you know communicating skills as if to say like it's going to be okay. I'm going to take real good care of you. We're going to be very delicate. And I just brought up and she was, and everybody, everybody just saw she was terrified and just gently, you know, went up. And I just did the act very gently with her, you know, you know, very, cause she was already at her, at her edge, you know, <laughs> but it went, it went well. It was it. very soft. It was very soft. It was very sweet. There was, it was, there was last different. It wasn't like a raucous one. It was just a very gentle thing, you know, sort of delicately in this lady. And then like the next day, the usher said that people had gotten around town and people were like uh, asking if they could be chosen to go up on stage for the thing. So it worked out Interesting. okay. Yeah. So that's that's one of the main things I remember about Korea and that, you know, and that, and that in China, they were just going all over the place. You couldn't, they were like, it was like herding cockroaches in China. <laughs> <laughs> and also that you couldn't, and they were saying like in China too, it's like, you know, there you couldn't you couldn't mu- you couldn't muscle somebody too much because there's a thing about like saving face there that's kind of different where like they'll put in their heels and they'll just be like, no, they're not gonna do anything you say if you feel like if they feel like you are they're losing face in front of in front of somebody else. So that was pretty interesting too. How to like you learn quickly in those situations. Did you ever ha- did you have an opportunity at all ever to do a uh, a bastard show in any of the uh, Asian countries? I didn't know. I mean, it's it's so full of like English text, and even I think I did it once in a, in, a, in the in the in the circus tent. And I was like, this is not the right venue. It was just like echoey, and it was like all oh, this space between myself. It was just like it was like an in house perf- like cabaret that we did. I was like, oh, this is awful. So I think definitely like it like you know. And I've done some in Europe as well, and it's like you know, for that show, at least for the for the the full show where I'm speaking the text, like you have to be able to understand English. I mean, you can you can see the dynamics, but you could be you could not understand English and see a bunch of people around you who are understand English, and get the dynamic of what's happening because they get it and they're having that thing. But it, but you know, even sometimes like uh, uh, if there's a an audience, like I have to slow down because the the process of the translation say if i'm in germany or something like that you know that i have to give time for the process for them to translate and then that changes the rhythm of things you know, so it becomes a more it's not as a quick and uh light and, and raucous of a show it becomes it gets the feeling of a more of like of a mental show where they're thinking about it and it gets, it gets like the heavier aspects of the show really become more heavy you know unless you do the show in german yeah uh someday i think about french i think i could do it in french i did it once in spanish uh, but now it's like the latter part of it is much more conversational. So I have to have a more, I have to have a, the ability to have conversation. Although I've been talking to my French friend, Stéphane Chivot, about the possibility of having him as a sort of translator character if we do France. I don't know how that would work. It would be kind of interesting to, like, you know, to use like a Google translator bot, you know, like, like a, a voice to text kind of thing where you have subtitles behind you. Oh, that's interesting. I, that technology exists? Yeah. Oh, be, it's not perfected, so it's like, kind of funny because could, the, that would even be its own. Yeah, the translations great could be accent. ridiculous. Oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> I, want to, I should do that with the script, though. That's a great idea. I always think about like Stefan just being like a head, you know, just like a, it's like I'm there. I lay an egg. The egg, the egg hatches open, and it's this head, and it's an even shittier, meaner bastard. We talked about before in, in, in uh, an interview about like this fear of clown and. In this pop culture fear of clown, have you run into any more of that since uh, you've come since since then? Oh, it's funny, you know. I think I uh, I 
I in some I, I've moved to a different place and I I know it's all still there. Like I've kind of moved to a different place with it. I think that I'm I think I was having a conversation with somebody about this the other day that uh, I'm not fighting that fight anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm not fighting the fight to try to make people think that clown is not the thing that you have to be afraid of. It's like even like even if, even if I realize like <laughs> if I look at my photos, I'm like, well, I I contribute to that too. If I if I look at most of the photos that I use to to introduce the character, like. The one that I least want to use is the one with the smile, where I look. Where I, look, you know, I, what, I want to use all the scary ones. What I noticed so. on the marketing for your new show is that you specifically are like, "This is not a clown." Like you're marking it as oh, not a clown. Yeah, like like on yeah, the, even, yeah. Even I suppose that's true. I, don't, I even that idea. What so, I said, so it's, it's not. Like, it's, it's not clown. He's not here to you, please. You, not he's growing. not clown. He's not here to please you. Right. He's here to make you surrender. And I think, yeah, I'm just playing against that. I'm just like, whatever. In some sense, although for sure he's definitely part of, of the clown world. Well, yeah, I mean, Buffon I mean, sort tradition. of fits in that. He's like yeah. you know, the asshole clown. And sometimes, and, and, even, <laughs> and even within the show, I'm, there's times where I'm, where I'm kind of playing more from typically the space of Buffon, and sometimes I'm playing more typically from the space of clown. Like, a, I mean, in some ways, sometimes now in the show, I completely deconstruct the character, and I'm just, almost like myself. I really am playing much more as a clown and like the voice goes away, all of those things within the show. So like, uh, yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't experienced that yet. I've, I've only seen you play shows where you're the, just the bastard the whole time. And I mean, there was the one show that I recorded that was, I thought really an interesting show um, as far as your interaction, because it was very, it was a small audience. Cause it oh, was at a the weird pit? space. Yeah, it was the pit. It was weird. That was a weird and, little. That uh, was a weird performance. And, I can't remember and, what was strange and, about that. And you and you came out, and there's that one woman that wouldn't look at you. And, yeah. Because she was uh, apparently afraid of clowns. Yes. And uh, and you you actually ended up chasing her out of the building. Oh yeah. Like because she she got a, like you you were trying to create a dialogue with her as a, like asking her why she wouldn't look at you. Yes. And. Uh, and she just sort of like freaked out and ran out of the theater, and then you sort of chased out after her, which I, which was was interesting because um, you know why is a person going to go to that show? Uh, well, they probably I think it was a it was a variety that was probably a yeah. variety thing. So she probably didn't know, especially wasn't going to that. Show. She was like, Here's the guy in the bill. She's like, oh shit! It's like you go into a cheese shop and then like whatever thing you're most afraid of is there, you know? But uh, but but I'm all like, uh, I guess it's interesting because in a show like that. If you have, there's, let's say there's one person in the audience that is like just freaking out, right? Mm-hmm. And like they're drawing the attention from the whole show. You know, it's almost as bad as heckling, I think. If somebody's like just having a weird shit fit, like they're, they're not intentionally doing it, but they're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like the audience is sort of like starts going over there. <laughs> and, it, and it's almost like you're doing the show, a ser- the audience a service. Like by yeah, chasing yeah. her out of the room, because if she just sits there and panics the whole time, it's not going to be fun for anybody. That's fine. I don't. I don't remember that so much, but I do remember. I do remember feeling that. I do remember that show because I remember looking at the video of it and I remember thinking like that was kind of a. It was not like the best. That was not the best showing, and it's funny that, that you say that that's happening because I'm trying to remember that. Like, and it, as I sound like that, it's like now I feel like I, I maybe I would be able to handle that much better. Like I've had I'm probably, I'm probably five years or six years past that. But, but then as you're saying that, like kind of like, I wonder what that experience was like. Cause I don't remember it so well. Like with somebody, if somebody was like, cause sometimes you have that where somebody's like, this person will disrupt the show and you have to deal with it. But then you have to like, everything has to be around that person. And sometimes like if it's a drunkard, usually if it's like a drunkard uh-huh. and you just want to, like, you got to shut them down or get rid of them. Sometimes you just got to say like, this person has got to be moved out of this show or else you're going to make the show about them. But sometimes maybe you don't want to, maybe you'd rather take the audience and give them the gift that you wanted to give them, right. you know, versus like giving them the piece of shit that this, <laughs> that this drunkard well, is going to try to give them. My, my favorite show that, that I saw of yours is, is a show that I actually didn't get it. I didn't have a video camera. It was like the, the old, maybe that one of two times that I went to your show and I was like, I just want to see a show. I don't, I don't want to fucking work tonight. Just, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I was like, and after I, after the show was over, I was like, God damn it. Why didn't I have a fucking camera? <laughs> uh, yeah. That's always but, the case. But it was, it was at the, the Gershwin 
at that ho- weird hotel. Oh yeah, 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 with Zero Boy and and, and, and uh, yeah, and, and Chris Rossi. And 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 you came into that, and you did a like this awesome Pied Piper kind of a thing with the entire audience. Oh, we went to the other room for like, some reason. Or... Getting a, like, you took them all out to the street. Oh. And like, like had them do stuff. Yeah. And then you brought them back in. Yeah. But just the, like, just the idea of like Pied Pipering the whole <laughs> yeah, audience yeah, yeah. to do something that they have no idea what they're going to do. Yeah. You know, I, I, I thought it was kind of great. I mean, in those, those shows, I guess the audience is sort of more primed and they know what to expect. Yeah. You know, but, but I think that 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 had a really really interesting and fun vibe to it. Just like have you have you been able to sort of achieve that out in LA, like that level of manipulation of the audience? It's a different type of it's a it's that level, yes, but in a different place. Like uh, I think the sometimes here in LA, it's it's like you know, I still, I'm still trying to figure out how to talk about these things without giving too much away. But I would just say that 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 because I don't want to talk about the, the details of it. But like that, uh, in LA, sometimes the work that uh, I'm doing now leads people to do some leads individuals may lead an individual at the show to do something which would be life altering, and sometimes people do that, and that the, and that the the group you know, may do things outside of the show. So sometimes I hear feedback that people are changing things in their lives, uh, not at the theater, but later after the theater. Even some people, (laughs) there was a guy, I made this proposition that somebody do something at the show and a a person told this guy, let's say his name is uh, John for whatever reasons. And he's like, you know, so John's like, oh, you can't ask somebody to do that. I can't believe he asked them to do that sort of thing. That's not right. And then his friend, their, John's friend saw John again a couple of days later, and John was like, I did that thing. <laughs> he did the thing that I had asked somebody at the show to do. Uh, and he was, he, John hadn't even gone to the show. Well, let, let me ask you this. Just why, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to get people to, to have these moments and that are – Life altering. I mean, are are you, are you borderline getting into a like a televangelist space, or is there some like is there another? I mean, like the the because that could ride the line of like cult leader, right? Like you're getting people to do things that they wouldn't want to do. No, no, no. That's not that's not that's not the case. I'm not getting thing. I'm not getting people to do things that that they. I'm not trying to get people to do things that they don't want to do. Okay. It's exactly the opposite, Uh, and it's about a. Uh, it's about, let's say, you know, if you go back to the shaman thing, uh, that there's like the model of that. And so it's, it's in movies and everything as well too. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, but like the model is like, if somebody's got like a sickness of some sort, you know, like sometimes like in this book, they might talk about like, um, you know, if it's like in uh kind of Russian nomadics. Uh, like maybe you're up in the winter and it snows. You, you and your family get caught in the snow and it drifts around you and you're stuck. You have to. You're you can't. You're stuck with your family in the snow and you can't get out until uh, it thaws in the spring. But by then your family's dead and you've had to eat them to to stay alive. That child is fucked up, right? Yeah. And in in that sort of in, back in that old context, there's things about like the you know, underworld and stuff. And so like. This idea that like all these like all the difficulties and disease of the world comes from the underworld. So you've got to make this journey to go down there. You've got to meet these demons. It's like things don't work the same down there. There's complete fucking chaos. They rip your they rip you apart. They give you some sort of knowledge. They put you back together and you come back and you survived. And some of these like so that's kind of like the, the the metaphor of it. But then literally like you know there are people like. Um, people undergo hardship undergo hardships all the time. They have to go in that they have to face that. Um, and then they, because they survived that, that's kind of like their doctorship, right? I was, you know, uh, even like say like a 12 step program is kind of like that, right? Like people like, I had this difficulty. I figured out how to do it. Now I'm there to teach you how to do it because I've gone through it, you know, or maybe they haven't, you know, I don't know. But, um, so there is, um, that sense for me in the show, it's like, there's something I'm trying to, and I am, uh, exercising, from myself and it's a, these are they're very universal things 
and it's a it's not a specific thing it's it's kind of like a template so the audience uh, gets to put their own thing into it and it's an opportunity to try to give people more license to be who they are in well, a sense like just uh, quite vague going, aren't I very vague well, it's like uh, just just going back to you know uh, I'll push back a little bit on the the sort of cult aspect of it just because every reference you dropped is a religious a or spiritual experience so like what like I'm not I'm not using the word cult as a no as I know you say bad no no, no no I know you're saying like, like yeah, uh, I, I've, but, actually, but I've if, actually had to look that up over the last couple of years because it's like what is what is, what is, what is a cult but, and what does that mean it's but, like, but it's like 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 you are trying to achieve some sort of spiritual or religious experience within your connection to the audience well, it, um, I mean, in an entertaining and fun way, <laughs> but I mean, I, I feel like they're like, if, if you if your goal is even vaguely aligned with the shaman aspect of what you're talking about, then how can you get away from it having spiritual or religious connotations? No, you're right. You're right about that. You're right. It's funny because, because I myself, I don't. I'm quite, you know, I've got a lot of issues with, with religion, although I wasn't particularly raised, like, say, like, like by a religious family in any way, but, like, I still have all these things. I'm kind of like, ugh, I have to deal with that stuff. So it's like I, I both crave that and I, you know, am repelled by it. I think it's just about, it's about the beautiful metaphor. You know what I don't like? I don't like when people, like, make it literal. Like, this is, this, this literally happened and you're going to go to hell. Like, it's that, it's that, that's, that's the, that, thinking like drives me crazy but people helping people through beautiful metaphors like that's that's wonderful that's great so in that aspect yes like there's a couple things in here that like um they're talking about this guy talks sometimes about in, illusion, in the book about, you were talking yeah, about yeah, in, yeah in, in the in the book yeah it talks about like illusion like sort of like the magic you know that these like shamans would do these magic shows but in these magic shows, they weren't they weren't so much about illusion or trying to fool people as much as allusions that they are alluding to these ideas uh-huh. and representing these ideas through the, through these illusions. And I think, oh, that made a lot of sense. Oh, that made a lot of sense to me. It's one beautiful thing. It's, it kind of blew my mind. It's so simple, but he talks about like the like this you know, what's like the, one of the most like popular uh, magician's tricks, like the rabbit pulling a rabbit out of a hat, right? All the, you know, right? No, you know, hundred magicians, ninety-eight of them pull a rabbit out of a hat or whatever. And it was like they've forgotten the trick. I went to Magic Castle and I was asking, like, you know, a number of mag- magicians after that, just to see if they if they knew this thing that this guy had mentioned in this book. It's like, do you know why people pull a magic out of, a, 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 a rabbit out of a hat? And they're kind of like, no, I don't know. I don't know why that's such a, a classic thing. And he said in the book, he's saying the the first half of the trick has been forgotten. Is it used to be that you put the bones of the rabbit in the hat, and then you pull it out. It's this resurrection, mm-hmm. a trick. I was like, oh, that's so. It, there's the the meaning is there. Like that that would be a better trick. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> right. It's like the meaning is gone, uh-huh. uh, but the seed of it is there. Like I mean, we, we, feel, it's still there, but we don't quite remember why we're doing it. That's also similar to, I feel like what's happening in modern culture with the image, like the idea of the clown itself. You know, yeah, like it's because of all these like commercial aspects of it and, and, you know, movie versions of things and, uh, you know, mass marketed versions of things, you know, like your Bozo the clowns. Yeah. Um, like people have forgotten what it actually was and like, yeah. And, and what the first part of the joke is, you know? Yeah. It's essentially. My, my friend's talking, my friend's putting together a documentary, which is kind of interesting, which is basically saying like, maybe it's turned into what it is, the sort of, the sort of sometimes well like well there's two kinds two types of kind of major clowns that are out there you could say now like one is completely impotent you know cutesy not very effective in any way and the other one is scary as all fucking hell right uh and it's that sort of image and these and are that, sort of like the mainstream images of a clown well i don't know if yeah probably so like but but that but that violent one is like it's here, you know, because our society has become so. It had to. It had to. Maybe the clown had to become that 
in some way. Or that's why I become urban a, legend clown. Like yeah, the, the one that's in the the clown doll with the babysitter. Yeah, you know, are, are you familiar with that urban legend? There's a woman. She's babysitting some kids. Yeah, there's a, like a creepy clown doll in the room. She gets a little nervous. Hears some weird noises. Calls the homeowners, the parents, yeah. and asks if she could move the clown doll into a closet because it's creeping her out. And yeah. they say we don't have a clown doll. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, all, all that's that, yeah. You know, like uh, you know the, the the sort of urban legend. Like I, I read a there's this um, article I read about the the colophobia issue written uh, by a guy named Joe Derwin. Yeah, I should give a shout out to my friend who was making that document, Nick Schleier. I think it was the Down with Clowns, but that's Down with Clowns. Yeah, because he was sort of like you know. Uh, Is he still working on it? Still working on it. Yeah. I haven't I haven't come across that one. I definitely talked to the guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was thinking that uh, some number of years back, I think when I was starting to work with Deanna on, on some of this latter material. Deanna Fleischer, everybody. Deanna Fleischer, yeah. But Kapinski. But Kapinski. Kapinski. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was at a like a, a bar or something like that, and somebody was talking about how a piece of theater changed their life or whatever. I said, I said, did it really? Did it? Did it really change your life? And they were like, No, I guess not. And then I was like, I asked the table, I said, have you guys ever seen some theater that's changed your life? And they're like, no. And I started asking that around more. And so. I, I personally have, I got to tell you. I, I believe that it, I, I believe that, I believe that it can. Who are some of your contemporary uh, comic heroes or influences? Oh, I'm so bad about this. I, 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 okay, I, like what's I the last thing you saw that you just thought was amazingly funny that connected to you? Oh, you know, I saw I saw somebody that I, I mean I really enjoyed watching. There was this guy Paul F. Tompkins. He's pretty great. I just I just I just just enjoyed his flow, and he was wonderful. Like I ran I ran I ran to him after the show just to say like, hey, I just really enjoyed your work. I don't usually do that a lot. It's like, I don't know. And then I ran him at, the, at, at my gym. I was like, oh hey, are you Paul F. Tompkins? He's like, yes. I was like, I saw you. So I was like, oh yeah, I remember mustache. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I've only seen him once. But I really liked him. Um, he does a lot of interesting stuff. He's a he does a lot of experimental things. Does he? I'd like to see more of his stuff. I just I think, saw one night. I, was like, oh, I think wait. he does a lot of weird uh, improv stuff at Largo. Okay. I think that that's actually a. a I'd space like to. I think I'd like to start to get. Out. I'd like to start to see more of the of the comedy because you know I had my head buried under the ground here for two years and now I got some time in the evenings. I feel like Largo there. might be a place that would be fun for you to. I don't see stuff. Check out, but yeah. then like maybe even play there. Yeah, maybe. Because um, I, I I haven't been there yet. I just heard a lot about it through like comedy podcasts and uh-huh. all these. Yeah, I, I, keep hearing, I keep hearing that on on, the, on on Mark Marin's thing. Like I hear Largo brought up a lot. So. Yeah, yeah. I listen. I listen to WTF. I think it's pretty great stuff. I love it. I think I, I, it's addicted. I, I haven't listened to Robert for like a few months, but before that, I mean, I listened basically to every episode. I was like, okay, I played all these. I just love listening to his personal struggle. And realizing that, like, I'm not the only one who has that same struggle. Right. That's right, a lot right. of it. I mean, I've learned a lot from that podcast. I learned, uh, like, you have this. I had this feeling that's like, oh, showbiz is well, this kind of one way because you're you're only shown the advertising of it, the the commercial of it, and then you get to hear what it's actually like. And so, like, you know, because like, if you don't have anybody that you're coming up in a show business with, like if you're not from a showbiz family, all you get is just like what you see on E! Entertainment Hollywood, what they're telling you that it's like to be like in showbiz or whatever, or that there's like just like that top A-list echelon and you don't know anything about what exists in between or what so, those so are like. So your first you know. generation show business in your family? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what did your parents come from? What did you... uh, My dad was a machinist um, and my mother ran a daycare. So like this whole this whole adventure has been you pioneering your your way through. I feel like it's always. I feel like it still is, and even in the sense of like my genre, I don't know. I feel like I'm not. I don't know. Like I, as far as the Red Bastard stuff, I'm like, it's not really like stuff that's going out in circus because it's like it's full of text. Right. You know, it's it's not it's not it's not quite theater because it's. I mean, it is the it is absolutely theater. But like people, you know, it's not like mainstream theater either. Like I'm like, it's not something that's probably <laughs> that like as of yet, the let's say like blue hair, you know, subscription audience is going to be like, I want to go see that show, you know. I mean, and so it's, it's like I'm like, it does very well. It's a very good show. But I'm kind of like, 
I don't know what the model is. It's sort of like for, a blue man group kind of thing, maybe. But not really, because it's not it's not it's not it's not nonverbal spectacle. Right. Like there's a, there's a producer now who wants to do something with it, and he saw it. and He was like, it was great because I was like, oh, he was like, I saw the show. I, I've been thinking about it for two years. I can't stop thinking about it. And you know, I think it's one of the for him, like in terms of his sensibilities, like I think it's one of the best shows that I've seen in terms of like what it's doing. And I think that's because again, because like the, the the content of the new material and what it has the possibility to do. And uh, so I think there's a there's a there's a big potential there's a there's a, there's a there's a huge potential for it and things are starting to to align for that. But I still don't know. It's like when I go to get an agent for a booking, I don't know who that what that is. It's not necessarily. It's not exactly like stand up, although it's very like stand up because I'm telling a lot of jokes, right. right? It's not exactly the circus. It's not somebody like selling me to go be in the circus, although I've done that. And it feels kind of circusy. It's not exactly that. It's not a typical clown. It's not, you know, it's not international. It's not family. It's not a family show. You know, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of its own kind of weird thing. You know, it's very interactive. Uh, so I, sometimes I feel like I'm like, not that what I'm doing is original, but it's so, a part of so many small parts of different things that it's, a, it's in its own strange little creature kind of, Hat, you know, forging its way at the at the moment. There aren't a ton of things that are exactly quite like it. Right, right. You right. know, so so I mean, it's it's like uh, we were talking earlier. It's a you know, I mean, might it be cl- more closely related to sort of what Andy Kaufman was doing with weird characters and 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 sort of humor that challenged people in. There's, I mean, there's that ways? there's that connection too, in the sense that, like, yeah, I mean, like for sure, there's that connection, and I, I was in that. Andy Kaufman. I was a. I was like twice a finalist in the Andy Kaufman Awards, and uh, yeah, I was, I was saying earlier, earlier that you, you you got to you know getting a, a battle of words and wits against uh, and, and water with uh, <laughs> words and wits and water with uh, with Tony Clifton. Yeah, like uh, we I was doing a my my performance in the in the finalists round of the Andy Kaufman Awards, and Tony Clifton's hosting it. And I don't know, I was like maybe like the seventh act or something like that. And like he hadn't sort of said anything in, in the middle of anybody else's act. And then he starts kind of interrupting my act. And I was like, in a sense, we're both kind of bouffants. So like we just start like kind of going at each other. Oh, the the, point, you, like, there's no sense about it. I mean, definitely yeah, you guys yeah. are both bouffants. Yeah. So it, it's like you were saying, it's like it became a, a kind of a pissing contest yeah, yeah. on each other. I had to throw my act out. You know, I didn't get to really well, finish the, my act. The other acts yeah. in the show, were they more traditional stand up? I mean, uh, no. I mean, they were kind of they were all along the 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 way of things. But I think mine was one one of the ones that was kind of the most. I mean, like uh, a monster. Like I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an aggressive. I was a, an aggressive. Well, that that's that's interesting. Grotesque that's, monster, I mean, and he's also the that's same. That's what that's what he is, right? And and, and yeah, so and it becomes a challenge. Yeah. It, like like I I I feel if you're the only one that he decided to fuck with, it was probably because you're the only one that maybe he his character felt threatened by. Yeah. And and I think that's probably a good thing. Or maybe it was like maybe he was like this maybe the maybe you could that, take that his I could that I could take it and that the other ones it's like it's like it would be He would destroy their show. Destroy and, their show. And but, he looked like a guy that was maybe fair game. Yeah, maybe. I think that's some part of that as well. And then it was kind of fun. We never spoke about it. I mean, so did Red you Bastard get water and he, me, and and, and 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 that guy never spoke about it. No, I well, I think who got some, the water on them? He got the water on him. <laughs> he got the so water, did, like did, a, did a pitcher it, of water. How, how, on him. how did how did that battle end? Did he leave? I think uh, I think he ended up leaving the stage eventually. I can't even remember if I. So I he brought I'm, he came up on stage. Yeah, he I didn't even. I, stay oh, yeah, in the at some point, like he was making comments, I started making comments to him, and then it just sort of escalated until he's up on stage, and then like we're kind of like getting a little physical with each other. But I'm, I'm also like, I don't know this guy. Uh-huh. I don't know what's gonna happen here. I mean, I've been in. There's definitely a danger to that because I mean, he's I supposed mean, to be unpredictable. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, he doesn't. You know, I don't know if we were all fine, and the audience was he's like, "Well, now I can't do much to you." Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the audience was like, you know, like yeah, he'd be, he'd be I'd say so. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. He'd turn around, and be like, "Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you." And he'd turn around, I was like, "Oh, well, no. you know, I don't know." But yeah, I hope to run into him someday. Like, I think that would be nice. Uh, nice I, uh, I think that would be an interesting like 
Me and Andy showing itself. Me and Andy going at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that should that's something that should happen. Like uh you should you should like he he plays the comedy store. Maybe maybe you could go in there as people the are like you should go in there like was like I, I that would be hilarious. Yeah, but, but I don't want to get into like a big thing where like suddenly like you know it's like then I interrupt his show. Then he interrupts my show. I got stuff to do. <laughs> that's, not, that's not my agenda. It's like I could do that, sure, but it's like I don't know. You know how you know agenda. how many more eyeballs are going to start paying attention to what you're doing if if, if you have like this weird every, battle every, 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 every 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 show at some point. That's like, just you know you have people coming come to the show just to wait for the Tony Clifton moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you definitely get on the talk show circuit for that one. <laughs> yeah that's like looking at the youtube stuff and people are like you know you could if you just like you know gain 300 pounds and you know <laughs> through putting at yourself you get a lot of viewers it's like that's true but like god what am i doing then <laughs> you know <laughs> i don't want to do that i don't know i don't know man like uh you could you should just try the the bastard diet and just start shoveling pudding down your mouth and see where it goes yeah could be <laughs> so i got a couple of questions here from from the facebook community for you all right let's uh throw these questions at you I wanna... for, for anybody who's listened all the way to the end yeah oh i hope they do my question oh they're they're, they're sticking around they're, okay. you, only people with questions you, you got rabid fans rabid. Like people just nipping at your feet i'm sure you, there's probably some people outside this house right now with some cameras and stuff waiting to take pictures of you i hope not that sounds scary yeah, you'll have stalkers soon enough. Don't you worry. I used to have somebody who had uh, like a pantyhose fetish. This lady, I didn't realize it, but she would come up and she would climb on me on stage. I'd be doing my act and she would come up. It was at Bowery Poetry Club. She'd come up. I think her name was Sim One or Simone or something like that. And she'd come up. She'd try to get on top of me. She's a performer? She was a performance artist. Okay, I think I, I think I know who you're talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. And like I, I it was like early on, it was, it was like, and I was like, who is this person? I looked on the internet, and eventually I figured out. I, was like, I saw this photo. I was like, oh, that's her. She's a burlesque and dancer, I think. I, I don't know what she is now. I haven't seen her for years, but she would like have all these like pictures of her, like, you know, of like pantyhose like pulled tight across her skin in different places. And I was like, oh, maybe that's it. Maybe it's like the it's the hose the fetish tight, thing that she wants to come stuff. up with the tights. Yeah. She wanted to get up, climb up on top of me. <laughs> Who doesn't want to climb on top of the red bastard? Uh, maybe not, you know, Eric. I don't know. He's kind of creepy. But the bastard, you know, the people dig that. This is a couple of questions, and it comes from uh, Annetta Dexter Sawyer. Okay. Uh, I don't know her, but, you know, she knows you. Um, Hello, Annetta. Let's see. Uh, she wants me to ask you about your abrupt turns and how you go from satirical to funny. And does it come naturally or are you simply in the moment? Are you calculating or all of the above? Uh, all of the, you know, it could be, it could be any of those, uh, I guess. Like, I mean, for certain, like my, now at this point, because uh, things start out as improvisation, uh, even in creating writing material, you, a lot of the times it's improvised. Uh, and then you begin to structure things. So now it's like even like I've, I've I've improvised things so many times, and I've also undergone so many situations that I'm very I'm familiar with territories, probably about how people will, will react. Uh, and sometimes I'm completely off the map. But um, but in general, like sometimes when I when I'm teaching, uh, I think after I've been teaching for a week or something like that, sometimes my show probably gets even a little better because I I really try to concentrate. Or in the past, I've tried to concentrate on the classes about. Um, those uh, changing dynamics and making strong shifts so that people are caught off guard by that and there's like a strong uh, uh, dynamic from soft to hard or, or funny to, to gentle to intimate to scary like a good I'm classical not, song maybe so yeah I'm not a musician I'm, I'm, I, well, I, I, feel, I feel like good classical music has that emotional effect on people you know like you have like soft soft parts yeah. and, then like, and then it hits you really heavy with something and then it goes back down and there's yeah. like you know i think things with the the strongest shift in dynamics yeah are always the most effective yeah a surprise and like you're right about strong shifts in the, and that's very important to me in my work and about the level of tension and about like taking people into one place and then surprising them by taking someplace they didn't expect to be taken or that sometimes and sometimes it's about like staying like you know, staying in a place for a while, like, you know, and then like, to the point where people get lulled into something. And then when you switch it, they're like, oh, fuck, where am I? 
you know <laughs> i like that all right so she follow, she follows up the question two questions yeah there's a, there's a follow up here she's uh so also what dared you to disrobe she felt it was great <laughs> especially she felt you were great especially at the after party around the kitchen table at Dodie's. So she must have seen something in D.C. You, you did something at somebody's name, Dodie, at a kitchen table. Um, maybe it was explicit. I don't know. There's no implication here. I Gosh, feel... Uh, I'm trying to... <laughs> I'm trying to remember that now. I'm trying to remember being at, at, the, at, the, at the table around Dodie's or something like that. Or maybe... Maybe it's a restaurant or something like that. Maybe it's a restaurant. There's an after party moment. You disrobed, apparently. Yeah, so I, um, I for sure. I, 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 maybe I she gave you some DC. money. Maybe it was a job after the show. I don't oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, what's the question again? I, <laughs> but what, what, what is the question? I, I forgot. No, I sort of like, I don't know. She wants to know what, what, what dared you to disrobe. Oh, why, why did I do that? Yeah. You know, I think... Uh, was that the first time you disrobed? It was not the first time. It was not the first time that I disrobed. Uh, but the first time that I did disrobe, uh, I think somebody had pulled off my top. They pulled off my hat. And I'd already kind of been like in in in, in creation period where sometimes I, I think a couple times I had already done that just sort of like like me and this guy, that like JD were working on stuff. And once uh, Deanne and I were in space and I think – so there was some sort of impulse that was happening with that. And I think it was about like just being sick of being con- feeling like I was confined by the character. And, uh, and I was like, I was in Melbourne and I had just done this long stint, like a month long stint in Adelaide. I went to Melbourne and somebody pulled this off and I thought, well, you know, that's it. I'm revealed. Somebody pulled that off and people were like, <gasps> And I still do it if I if I sort of like if and when I do that. It's like it's like exactly that. People are like <gasps> the thing, it's the thing disappeared. It's a person, like because like even like though we know that the they, there was there was that sort of suspension of disbelief and people are shocked to see it. And uh, I was like, fucking, I'm gonna go with this thing too. And uh, I liked it, and people liked it, and so I think there's something about that that works. And I there's still yet I have to figure out how to explore that. I was talking to you about this a little bit, like the difference between my the agenda of the artist and the agenda of the, of the, of the Buffon of the character red bastard. And they're sometimes the agendas are the same. Sometimes they're not. And I want to find a way that, that like now in a way it's like maybe the red bastard is dissembled, but I want to just separate us and keep him animated and alive with his own agenda and living. And I got to have mine and maybe we come back together again. I don't know, like what will happen with that. But it's a, it's it's one of the ne- the next questions about what's the, what's the process of shape shifting and transforming and, and the different elements that come together to make that character, parts of which are me and parts of which are, only parts of me or something. You know, it's a is a mask. You know, and dark parts. Yeah, like in my imagination, that character is also it lives on its own, like and it lives in other people as well. If people are so inclined and inspired by your words of wisdom, uh, <laughs> where can they find more about you on the interwebs? Um, you can find uh, stuff about me at, at my website, redbastard.com. And uh, I would love uh, if people would like, you can go to my just my Facebook page, uh, Red Bastard. And, and sign up there, and as, as things are, are happening and going on, you can just uh, gotta like the bastard that. page. Yeah, like the red bastard page. And I'm I just set up a Twitter account called uh, Red Bastard Show. And I haven't started tweeting, twittering, tweeting much, but uh, I will begin to investigate that this year. I have to figure out like how I want to deal with that. But. So, do you want to talk about Edinburgh at all? Oh, should people I, yeah start sure, but, thinking but, about that yeah i'm gonna do like a i'm gonna do a month at edinburgh and um it's the first time you've performed in that part of the country uh it's yeah so it'll be like a, it's new to me to to do edinburgh is new yeah i think so I you're gonna be doing a month in edinburgh where you perform every single day every single day i'll have two days off over the course of like i think uh 27 and that days. It, and that's something at, like 
co- common place for all the performers that go to Edinburgh is where they play every day for a month. I think most of them. It's going to be exhausting. I think. Yeah. I feel like a, there's not going to be a lot of partying going. On. I feel like there's going to be sleeping. Like, oh, there's going to be a lot of a lot of partying. I think everybody parties. <laughs> no, 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 just you're going straight that. home. Oh my god. Uh, you know, have your tea and go to bed. What's the? You got to get up and perform the next day. It's a well, job. I, it's a grind. I'm gonna do that for a month, and then I gotta go like straight to like a to Denmark like the next day and do like a whole week of like shows and workshops and, and stuff there too. I'm like, oh god. And then after that, I might go to and like, so it's like I don't know when that stops. So I have to pace myself a little bit. But uh, I think they're gonna be kick ass shows. I just want to go there and like give great great shows and give that energy of what's going on in the show and kind of spread that out. Uh, for people, I want to try to find ways that people are, uh, you know, become infected with Red Bastard and could get a be Red Bastard in some way, you know, after the show as well. So, and then the other thing too, if you've got a city that like you think would, if you're if you're a good marketer, like uh, if you can like, get people out to a theater, I'm, I'm very interested to to travel to places in the U.S. too to find places that I haven't been yet. So. All right, man. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. And uh, uh, anything else you want to add? Anything that we didn't touch? Anything you want to touch uh, before uh, we go? Yeah, but that's uh, that's not far. You can't. You, you won't even be able to hear it when I touch it. So I think uh, we're good. Cloudy is real. Cloudy is life. Cloudy is real. Cloudy is life. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. Please join us while we continue to document and support creativity around the world. Make sure to check out Eric's website in the post description and check out his Indiegogo campaign. Hopefully, you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and our series on YouTube. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Tumblr, Vine, Google+, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Go to the website at afoolsidea.com and sign up to our newsletter. Check out the episodes of the documentary series and watch all the extra fun bits of clown goodness that we post on a regular basis. Until next time, thanks for listening to A Fool's Idea. Idea, idea, idea.